0: Hey there everybody, welcome another brand new action-packed episode of Beer and Loathing. Let's get right to it with this week's special guest, BuzzFeed's political editor, Catherine Miller. Welcome to everybody who's listening to this on the podcast, it's Beer and Loathing, it's a brand new episode. I'm losing count, we've had so many at this point. I think this is lucky episode number 13. Very excited, we had a one-week hiatus for Labor Day. Uh, we were thinking about doing a show last Monday, last Labor Day, and then I realized I don't, I don't pay the staff, and I thought of all the days to not pay the staff to work, Labor Day would probably be the worst one. So we didn't do a show on Labor Day, but everybody's back this week, uh, and uh, we have a special guest who I'll introduce in just a minute, but before that, it's a regular, you've gotten to know him a little bit, our moderator,
1: Jeff Eldridge
0: is here too, I'll say hi to him.
1: Hi, how's it going? It's going well. How are you? <laughs> uh, I'm doing well. Uh, so what's what's going on? It's fallout, Labor Day is over, We were football season started. We were talking
0: uh, about you. Know what I used to love on television when I was a kid. This is a summer thing because during uh, the school year I couldn't watch this, but I would watch the uh, the Regis and Kathy Lee show every morning. And most people, back then, this is before people discovered Regis as the big star. But I loved the, the 20 minutes of Regis Talking to Kathy Lee and he would talk about you know the barbecue he went to with Charles Grodin over the weekend and how Grodin singed his eyebrows or something and so I thought I was telling Jeff we should do a little bit of the Regis and Kathy Lee host chat so like what what was the most exciting thing you did this weekend Jeff? it was a beautiful weekend it actually a, it wasn't no, a rain both days but it was it was a weekend
1: it was a beautiful week I mean most exciting thing I did was volunteer at the Fifth Avenue mile the big race that they do up on the Upper East Side one mile they had pros doing it they had Olympic medalists uh, running this race I, I was working in the, in the start What, you, what did you do?
0: So what does that mean? You, you I fired kind of, the gun?
1: No, I, but I was up there by where they fired the gun. I just wore a nice like neon volunteer vest, and I, I waved the runners in when it was time to start, and I kept pedestrians from interrupting and disrupting the start corral. Um, beautiful day, Sunday. I, I was working with like the elderly, the children, and then the pros. So it was like there were the 70 and up crowd, and they were like the little kids, and then like the pros uh, who, who ran it for... Unbelievably fast speed. It's like three fifty-three. The um, sub four-minute mile. Yeah, like all, I thought, they would only been done once in history no, by like Roger the, Bannister. The top five or six men all all were sub four-minute miles. Well, that's
0: that, that. sounds like an exciting weekend. I really, I honestly thought I, I can't top that. I mean, I. Uh,
1: did you, did you go to any Charles Grodin barbecues?
0: No, but the best thing. The best thing is, and people who watch my show, uh, the the TV show, probably. know I haven't been doing the TV show the last couple weekends, and, and it's the first time really in in like two and a half years that I've had a Real weekend, and it's it's I, I, I've, I've loved it. I have to say, it's it's there's something about like one thing I did uh, the last two weekends on Saturdays. I went to Central Park, and I wasn't even you know, we were just sort of we forgot to bring what are the you know, towels or you know, just sitting on the lawn and, and didn't have you know, food or anything, but just like being around people, you know, because I can go there on a Monday. My usual weekend for the last two and a half years has been a Monday, and, and it's just it's it's just it's dead, you know, it's people collecting cans, and that's about it, but on a weekend. There's all this life, so I did that. I played tennis. I watched a few of the, the games. It was. It well, was you went a, a
1: big bike ride, didn't
0: you? I went. To, I went an 18 mile bike ride. Yeah. I'm like, I'm getting. You know, it's like I. It's I relishing, feel...
1: Relishing freedom. I feel
0: healthy, but I missed the show and I missed all the people. So, well, this this Regis and Kathy Lee thing has worked out fantastically.
1: <laughs> 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 I don't know. So, I mean, I mean, this, we haven't really tried this before. I have
0: to have. I, what I've concluded is I don't have an active enough social life. <laughs> uh, I, I need to. Um, I need to have some experiences. That I can talk about, so I'll, I'll, that's my goal for next week. But we'll work on it during the week, Jeff. And, and Jeff is going to be taking your questions and your comments. The Meerkat audience that's watching this live, Jeff's taking all your questions and comments. He's going to tell us the good ones. going to you guys can join this conversation. So I mean, and every week, by the way, the Meerkat audience, every week, I got to say, I was telling them earlier, we we know. It's a lot of Bernie Sanders. It's a lot of we don't like the Hillary, and it's a lot of we too much Trump. But but here's my challenge. Wait, wait, wait let me give let us me, some other give us clarify, some other stuff. It's
1: not that we don't like the Hillary, it's We don't like the Hillary email server chat. Right. They, they're not anti-Hillary. They're, oh, right, anti, right, they're right. anti-server.
0: But chat. And, and, you know, and, and totally point taken. So, but give us some other. Let's the challenge to the audience this week is like let's. Here's one. Here's my real challenge to the audience. It's the icebreaker questions we do every week. When I introduce our guest in a minute, um, we're going to try to find out about him or her, a little mystery here, uh, throughout the hour, so your icebreaker questions for our guest Come up with them, send them in, Jeff will give them to us, let's get to know him or her. And now I'll tell you who I'm talking about because I've scripted an introduction. My guest tonight is the political editor at BuzzFeed.com, or as some call it, BuzzFeed. This makes her the boss of our pre- one of our previous guests, BuzzFeed White House correspondent Evan McMorris Santoro. Prior to joining BuzzFeed, she wrote for the Washington Free Beacon, and her work has also appeared in The Washington Times, The College Fix, and one time, apparently the only evidence that exists is a screenshot at Fox News' website. Oh,
2: she attended—I
0: went to your website. She, <laughs> she attended Vanderbilt University as home of the Commodores. Please welcome to the show, BuzzFeed, political editor Catherine Miller. Welcome.
2: Hi. That was, that was the, the way-back machine on my yeah. writing career.
0: You um, what did you do this weekend? Can you (laughs) talk with me and Jeff? Did
2: no, I I spent like most of the weekend inside editing stories. So that's yeah.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Did you get a day off in the last week?
2: I mean, I woke up at noon on Saturday. Okay.
0: Yeah. So that was. Do you get to? I like
2: went for a run in the park. That was, and then I. I I might have seen you there. Yeah. yeah.
0: You could have come and sat on the lawn with us. It wasn't.
2: We don't. Yeah. (laughs) We don't. My my social life these days is very uh, is very Buzzfeed politics oriented.
0: How many how many so like how many hours a week do you think you spend on the job?
2: This is, I mean like seventy or more probably.
0: It's <laughs> and how long have you been doing it for?
2: Uh, I will have been political. I, I joined Buzzfeed in November twenty fourteen or twenty thirteen, and so I, I, almost two years ago. Almost, you're coming I, up
0: on yeah. two years. Wow. No, I mean I was a, so I was a political editor for Salon a couple years ago. And I just like, and I, I, it, it was a good thing for my career and everything. But I always told people it was like it was like shoveling coal. And what, <laughs> I, what I meant was like the engine has to keep churning twenty four seven. And at a certain point, you just need to put something on there to keep that thing burning. And, and you know, I felt I, mean, I think we put some good stuff out there. I'm not saying everything I put up was. I, don't I want mean, to carry this I mean, too like, far,
2: yeah. <laughs> it, yes. Uh, yeah, no. It. Uh, fortunately, there's so much to do. That like there's it like propels itself. It's actually more stressful when there's not stuff going on. Right. When there's plenty of stuff going on, it's pretty easy. It's like oh, we got to go get this done. How important is it? So you're the
0: the, the political at BuzzFeed. Like I mean, BuzzFeed always gets like, um, twenty three reasons that this cat will vote for Donald. I mean, how important is the headline? And how do you think about doing the headlines?
2: Oh well, the headline. I mean, the headlines. Boy, we're really like starting off with some. <laughs> Tell you about my terrible weekend and how I write. Headlines. Um, no, uh, I, I, for the headlines, I, the accessibility is always the important thing. I mean, I'm no like you know Ben Dreyfus at Mother Jones is like the master of like headlines that people want to like read. But like in terms of, I don't know, my process is always like, would I, if I saw this in isolation, would I actually like want to click on and read it? Which like. Sounds like a cheap thing, but like the actual, you want people to read your well-reported right. stories. That's you. You want them to, and, and, and you want to communicate whatever in the most provocative but accurate way. What you're actually telling. People. It was it
0: was always yes. my thing at, at, at Salon. I, I, I didn't feel it felt a little cheap, but then it didn't because for exactly what you're saying, I was yeah. like I would put a headline on it that I I know it's going to draw eyeballs, and maybe sometimes for the wrong reasons. But my justification was always if it gets them reading it. Then they're going to get something good out of it. Yeah,
2: I mean, half the time the conversation I have with somebody is like, "Hey, do you mind if I tweet this one thing in your story?" Just because I know it will actually probably you yeah, find the one <laughs> that viral, will you find the viral clicked. tidbit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yep. No, I, I know how that goes. Um, well, so we, there's a lot we can talk about this hour. I want to get to know you a little bit. We want to talk about politics, the election, all that stuff. And and Jeff's uh, furiously taking notes. We'll check in with him in a second. But um, well, let me ask you this one though. Um, we always start with the presidential race. I don't want to do that this week. I want to start with. Um, something I've been thinking about, it's related to it, though, is we had a big shake-up last week uh, in the late-night comedy world, right? So Stephen Colbert starts his show, and, and Jeb Bush is on the first night. I think Joe Biden was on last week. Then on uh, the Fallon thing, they had uh, Trump was on on Friday night. So I, what do you think of—I I, I loved Colbert's old show. And I've been telling people all week, I actually went back and watched his finale, his Comedy Central finale, and I, I think it's— I think it's honestly one of the best things I've ever seen on television. The whole group song where they sing uh, We'll Meet Again, and he goes on the roof, and there's Santa and uh, uh, Alex Trebek and uh, Abraham Lincoln with the horn. I I, I loved it. I, I don't dislike the new show, but I, I think not having that really, really well-defined character is hurting
2: him. I mean, I think I'm not... I personally am not a huge late-night TV person, um, but I do... I do enjoy. I mean, the my favorite thing that uh, the last few years that has been a late night TV thing is when Samantha B did those. I watch Morning Joe. I watch The Five, which are like very contained, like skits that where it's like very focused. It's like very much like a concept that's carried through. So like, it's focus. Um, I think. Some, I was talking to somebody and they were saying they think that the the pitch with Colbert is going to be that like, people want there is space like in the current landscape for like a serious a slightly more serious because like if you look at the guest lineup for the next few weeks it's like Malala and like He's Ernest got, uh, Moniz it's like, like
0: Stephen Breyer the Supreme Court Justice talking right. about foreign law we've on been, the late night show mean, right we've
2: been, we've been <laughs> joking about it. it's like an Aspen Ideas festival on like Stephen I mean it's like
0: it's a throwback, wasn't it like the early it's days not. of late night TV when it was like what uh, Steve Allen or
2: right. Jack Parr or Which whatever, like and they not, would have like,
0: you know, here's Thoreau. Was Thoreau like alive back then? Probably not. Hot
2: I mean, young you know. the poet. The secretary. Oh, uh um, the
0: poet who read the thing Not Thoreau. No, Thoreau's dead, right? Robert Frost. Robert Robert Frost. Frost? Yeah, I maybe. think he had Robert Frost. Uh, yeah,
2: you know. The uh the like I mean the, the Biden interview is 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 very great.
0: Did you watch that? Yes, it is. I wow. mean it's very
2: it's very it's very unique in that it's like a... It's a very sincere conversation about what is mostly a conversation about somebody, a beloved person who has died, which is not a thing that most people get to do very often. But it is also not like... And which is great. It's very different on TV, but it's also not quite... It it wasn't funny, for instance. um, Which is what people mostly expect from.
0: Although I get the thing, too, and I didn't realize, Stephen Colbert lost his father and a bunch of siblings in a plane crash. So he of all people i guess could to conduct that interview i mean i i I admit i was watching it i started crying i mean it it was just like this guy is going through he's still in grief he's not i mean he's still trying to process this and i'm just trying to imagine i mean to be to be 72 years old and your son dies and 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 it is by all accounts like the whole everything i hear about bo biden i mean this was like this was every parent loves every kid equally but this was this was a special relationship the two of them had and everything and it was um, I don't know. People, a lot of people saw that and they said, "Now I know Joe Biden's not running." Is that your reaction?
2: I mean, I, I'm not sure. I, I, my general opinion on this has been that a lot of the reporting around uh, the, the, the a lot of the reporting around this has not exactly dealt with like the very difficult realities of Biden running for president. You know, he's older. Late entrants don't do well generally. He needs to have a message that's distinct from Hillary Clinton's. He needs to have organization. He needs to raise money. Like th- that's not really—it hasn't been the substance of that. But it—I don't—I don't—I didn't actually watch that interview and like necessarily have an opinion about whether he's gonna run. Like it just seemed more like a like a sincere conversation. Yeah. Which is a, a unique and rare thing on. Right. Question. No, it didn't. Yeah, it, no, it, it seemed
0: didn't. like it had no. It was not calculated. There was no artifice. You know. But at the same time, it's the kind of thing I felt like anybody watching that you know, who wasn't really a Biden fan before they saw it, had to walk away from that with, I mean, I don't want to reduce it to crude political terms, but like his standing as a a leader has got to be better now than it's ever been. Uh,
2: Right. I mean, well, one of the things we've been talking a little bit about this is that uh, the political process is not always super kind to very authentic people. And this is, you know, we've talked a lot about uh, Joe Biden, the authentic candidate um, versus Hillary Clinton, who's basically defined by being very controlled um we're like only a year and a half removed from like kind of like the onion joe biden like you know like I never got, hot rod I never joe biden that, by the way like right i mean and, and the thing is i mean but you know he's kind of the range of he's the person who like like will like put his hands on somebody's like mother at like an like maybe an appropriate time but also is like somebody who can speak very eloquently and sincerely and openly and like in a very gifted way about grief and loss and these things that is like, it's like the full, I'm not sure that everyone always appreciates the complexity of a politician, for instance, or an athlete or like a cultural figure. And I think right now we're having a moment where he's like seen as this very serious, dignified person because he is, and the political process may not be like that may not last for 14 months if
0: right. he runs, which well, no, would no, be it, unfortunate. It, it, I think. And what, I you're mean, saying, what you're saying—that I think there's a lot of truth to it. It's one of those. I, I we say we want authenticity and we value authenticity, and then we we punish it so often when we get it because it's a gaffe, because it's off message, because it's poor discipline or whatever. Well, I mean, and, yeah. you
2: look. I mean, it's in political processes and other things too. I mean, you look at now. Everyone's having this conversation about Serena Williams being this. You know, Really interesting, engaging athlete who never apologized, who was herself, who like kept part of herself away, who did all these things, who like reacted emotionally to things, but like that wasn't necessarily how the bulk of her career was treated. Like she was treated as very controversial, compl- you know, like sometimes angry person. That like now she's sort of being celebrated for it now that her career is kind of coming to a close.
0: True, although she didn't seem too happy after that. No. loss. She <laughs> I was
1: watching that. That Italian watched, lady did, that. I forgot yeah.
0: what, what her name was who beat her, the Italian woman, and, and I'm watching her interview on the court after the match. It was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. She's just like <laughs> looking around, shouting random things to her coach, and then they go to Serena, and it was like watching a Bill Belichick press conference. Oh, like, yeah, no. it was I mean, like, which,
2: you know, that's, that's, she's within her right, but the Italian lady was the best. She was like... The line was like, "Oh well, this is the best day ever for me." Like, I'm sorry, everybody. Like, I. <laughs> well, won. How about the,
0: and the other, the one who actually won, I think. So she became the oldest uh, U.S. Open winner ever, and then the first thing she does, retire.
2: Right.
0: I'm. It's never going to get better. I than mean, this, I, right? did you watch it? I watched the semi. I didn't watch the final. Yeah,
2: nobody. I've been I on, was busy playing tennis and, and, and
0: defaulting play. on every one of my, one of my yeah. serves. But um, it sounds like the uh, we got some questions, some comments. Let's uh, let's see what the uh, audience is talking about tonight.
1: Yeah, so I'll start out with uh, with some of the comments. Uh, first up, Marge, as I noted, your, your viewers like Hillary. They don't like the email talk. Marge is very frustrated that no one talks about Hillary's policy points, and they're always talking about her email servers. Just thought I would note that. Um, Jocelyn is a big BuzzFeed fan. She says BuzzFeed is like eating potato chips, that once she gets on BuzzFeed, she has a hard time putting it down. Um, Andy knows that you're not now on against Monday Night Football, so you've got to make sure you have a good quality show because uh, people want to be watching. Uh, well, let, me, no, no, let me Let let
0: me me just correct that one, first of all. That would have been valid 10 years ago, but Sunday Night Football is the new Monday Night Football. So the good games are on Sunday nights, and ESPN pays a billion dollars for a really crappy game every week. So we'll, we can put on a really crappy show, and we'll be okay.
1: On um, Colbert, Kate, thinks that one hour is too long for Colbert, that he's better at 30 minutes, but Ed retorted that he actually thinks Colbert should have 90 minutes, that he feels a little bit too cramped in the one hour space. So, two views on Colbert's time slot. Um, Anyone go with 45 minutes? <laughs> no one said No one said 45. Um, Marge also knows that she's always loved Joe Biden. Andy says that Biden is so handsy he makes watching the Senate swearings in worth watching. Um, and now, now a few questions. Um, Jocelyn has a proposed icebreaker question. Oh, good. Jocelyn wants to know, what is on your nightstands?
0: Okay, so we'll, we'll break the ice with that, and then we'll, we'll get to some of these other ones. So there's your first icebreaker question, Catherine. Uh, what is on your nightstands? Follow-up question, do you have a nightstand? <laughs> I do,
2: because I have a lamp next to it. I need uh, my glasses and, like, a pile of books. That's basically...
0: Mine is, uh, uh, there's a lot of dust, Yeah, uh, I mean. there's a lot, of, a lot of stains from the cups, that, the yeah, rings around bottled the cups. Yeah, water,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, and then there's uh, uh, a New Yorker probably that's two or three months old at this point that right. I still haven't read, but it's aspirational.
2: I'm, I'm basically just like collecting piles of books. I'm like recluse levels of like, you, I ran you out you of shelf you, space, well, last year of... I read a lot of books, this year less books. Because sure because work or are you, just, it works. are you booked of, out? Yeah, I'm booked. Well, no, 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 I actually I like reading cuz it's like uh, uh reading like fiction and stuff. It's different than doing Oh, politics. you read more fiction yeah. than than yeah, I'm not a, yeah, Oh, really? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. What what kind of fiction do you like? What's a keep in mind I know four authors, but there's a chance you're going to know one of them. Jonathan <laughs> like, Franzen. Mm, no. no. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> um he almost adopted an iraqi child apparently did you see this
0: what kept him from doing it an
2: editor convinced him not to oh (laughs)
0: yeah i mean
2: talked him out of that was Um, he gonna write
0: a book about it was that he wanted to
2: understand kids this is a real story (laughs) (laughs) i didn't make that up um uh i i'm like i was an english major like like boring depressing books
0: Oh, yeah. this is this is fantastic. So I, I I had um I've had this theory for years. Um and I've I've really never been able to put it into practice, but I or I did once. Um I, I had the way back I had this job in New Jersey and we did this political news site and I was leaving it and it was like, who do you who we replace you with? And I remember like I was trying to help find somebody and and I thought about it for a while and I was like, the tr- the traditional thing to do, it's a political website is um go get, you know, somebody from journalism school, go get a political science major, whatever. I said no. Want an English major? I want somebody who's read a lot, who, who like has a, a sense of style, who knows how to write, knows how to put thoughts together, but who's interested in politics. Like I want, I want to be a thinker and a writer who's interested in politics. And that was the profile I had. And I and then it was the, uh, the political editor at Salon, and I looked for that. Did
2: you find I, them? I found a guy no. who
0: had majored <laughs> in English but dropped out, but he did. And he w- there
2: are a lot of dropouts in political journalism. He, that and are he good. was,
0: he, he, and it was like, I, honest to God, he was. It was great. He was. A, I thought it worked. Um, and, I, and I, I went through like a. I started out in journalism school. I ended up with a. I ended up with a degree in like television and film. I can tell you now, like completely worthless. I, I regret that I didn't have like a, a stronger I mean, liberal arts background.
2: We're the Buzzfeed politics staff is employing three of the only English majors that are employed in the entire country. So
0: who, yeah. el- who else is? Uh, uh,
2: I be- I know Ruby Kramer was also an English major. I think McKay Coppins was too. Oh, that's yeah. okay. Yeah. Well,
0: let me tell you, you, guys are doing it right. Yeah, that's I. I uh, yeah. So they, how about this one? We got to get some of these other questions they were asking about. So they, they somebody says enough of the. Want to know about Hillary's policies instead? So, what do we know about her policy on email? No, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, I just got to say. Um, let me ask you about the Hillary situation though. So okay. like we say Bi- maybe Biden gets in, maybe he doesn't. I mean. Um, let me, I mean, I saw you did the 538 podcast a while ago, mm-hmm. and they put odds on everything, so you might have already done this, but what, what is the percent chance, in your mind, next July, Democratic Convention, Philadelphia, uh, or maybe it's August, um, what is the percentage chance that Hillary Clinton will mo- not be the person they're nominating for president at that convention?
2: I think on the 538 podcast, I put her at, like, the ni- 97% or something.
0: So 3% Yeah, yet.
2: 3% chance, um, which I basically think is still still the case i mean we'll see if i i I, as i said i think there's some real like structural problems that challenges that biden would have to face and i i just don't
0: is he the only other one you think do you think there's any uh, bernie sanders scenario
2: no not really i mean i do think the i mean the reality is it's like i get i mean i guess it could be bernie sanders and donald trump but i also feel like there's going to be a lot there's a very heavy I think the the Democrats will do the same thing that the Republicans often do, which is, like, when push comes to shove at the end, it's like, oh, wait, like, we want to win the election. Um, A, that, and also, the the party has ways to make it more difficult for a non, you know, state ballots become a thing, signatures, caucus rules can change, like, there are ways to make things mechanically more difficult for somebody with less organization.
0: So let me uh, before I get to some of my uh, icebreaker questions, and can I tell you there are some uh, there are some keepers in here. Uh, But let's find out a little bit about you because I I was uh, you know I was doing research today for this uh, elaborate introduction (laughs) I came up with. So so tell me a little bit about so BuzzFeed you've been there uh, for about two years now. Mm -hmm. So Washington Free Beacon so that's kind of a new. That's a relatively new publication, right? What's yes, that? I
2: was there uh, when it launched. And so this, this
0: is a conservative news site down yes. in... Yes, yep.
2: yep. It is a, it's, a conservative, it's a conservative news site in, uh, in D.C. Um, started in January 2012 um, for the 2012 election. And it, 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 I would say that it also has sort of a, a neoconservative... Been in terms is, of is it, it's policy. Bill
0: Kristol's son-in-law who started. Is that right? Yeah. Right. Um,
2: yeah. It would be uh, Matt Connetti and, and Michael Goldfarb, um, who are uh, who, who both formerly worked at the Weekly Standard at various points. Um,
0: so what is it? What is it? I'm, I'm curious. You also, I saw a byline like, you've been in the Washington Times, and I. So
2: I, okay. So when I graduated, I interned at the Washington Times for like a month and a half. And then I left that internship for... Uh, I worked at a... The College Fix is like the website for a journalism nonprofit that basically helps conservative and libertarian college students get journalism internships and reporting and stuff like that. And I did that for about a year and a half and then I went to work, work for the free. Because we always...
0: I mean, obviously, it's the cliche, right? The liberal media and, you know, every... The, the, the perception, I, the, the stat that always gets thrown back at me, it's an old one now, but I bet you it's still basically true. I think it was in 1992 or 96... <clears throat> somebody surveyed all the reporters, bureau chiefs in D.C. and everything, like 88% had voted for Clinton, something like that. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if you did the same thing like that today. It would be, it'd be about the same. So what is it like coming into political media from the right? Because we don't hear about that as often.
2: Yeah, that's true. I, it's interesting because when I first made the shift, I was like, oh, well, maybe this will be different. Maybe this will be difficult. Like, And, and honestly, it's not in the sense that um, obviously you're coming at... The Free Vegan kind of comes at it from something of more of an adversarial perspective, but, like, a lot of the content is actually very reported, uh, is is reported content, or is, like, humor. It's, like, those two things. So, A, that, but also B, I mean, the journal process is basically the same. Like, things happen, you kind of make jokes, and then you do stories. Like, that's basically the... That is the journal, political journalism process. Um, and and I, I, it's interesting, I never really... I have never actually faced criti- I mean difficulties over that. Like I, I, my approach has never really changed in the sense that you try to be a critical observer ever of, of everything. I mean it's obviously the mission is different being at the. Free, the free beacon basically exclusively covers the left. Right. Um, and doesn't cover internal Republican politics. Although I
0: think it's a little bit on like Rand Paul. A little right? bit on yeah, Rand Paul. Yeah, yeah. I think it was a not, bit not, on not Rand Paul. Not big fans of Rand Paul, right? Not, Although at this yeah, point, not. that doesn't seem to matter no, too much anymore. No, it doesn't but
2: anymore. But but that's the yeah. an amazing thing, too, yes. by the way.
0: That he's a complete.
2: I never thought. I never really thought that Rand would be like a serious, like. Six months from now, like in the mix and that kind of thing, but I didn't think it would be this early. I mean,
0: yeah, he's at like two, three percent right now.
2: I mean, the, the well, the, all, the problem is they're all, they all are kind of.
0: I guess, I think we all thought, I, we, I thought at least. Rand's which, having
2: serious problems. I, though, I, yeah.
0: I thought, like, look, I don't know if he can go farther than his father, but I thought there was a bigger base there for his father that he would inherit that, you know.
2: Well, he tried to do the thing, you know, to.
0: Make himself more more agreeable to the
2: mainstream and then, in the process... He alienated everybody. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that Christie, when he went... I I knew it right away, I was like... And I was trying to put my finger on it, and I'm trying not to be mean about it, but like, (laughs) when he went after Christie in the first debate, and... uh, Well, he started with Trump, I should say. Christie eventually. But when he started going after Trump, I was like... It it almost doesn't matter what point he was making. He sounded whiny. Yeah. He he sounded whiny, and and I think it was one of those, like... he, he, the audience instinctively sided with Trump just because he sounded like...
2: Well, I mean, the, one of the best parts of the debate is just, like, on a pure, like, just, like, entertainment level is when Trump turned to him and it was just like, you're not having a very good night. Like, right. <laughs> I mean... Right. And the the, the Maureen Dow did that, like, lightning round thing with Trump where she, like, asked them, like, you know, asked him to respond to, you know, she'd be like, Sharon Stone and, like, Hillary Clinton and, like, what do you think? And his first his first comment on Rand was, tiny little guy.
1: It sounds about right. I mean, it's just—I it,
2: mean—that's the big thing with Trump is you—you you poke him and he like immediately is just like sidesteps it and like punches you in the face. Yeah, and, and, and
1: really, it's—it's
0: and it's one of those like you, you think it's—it's it's all just an actor, But I mean, like if you're on the receiving end of that, I feel like I think it's been devastating to Jeb Bush what he's been doing. Yes. I mean, I think it's—I think Jeb has has looked. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy to a certain point. He's low energy. Right. That's what Trump says, and now everybody looks at him and is like, "That's the first thing I think people think of." No,
2: and it, it's one of those things too, where it's just uh, if you think there are different reasons you can speculate and theorize about why Trump is this and that, and why he's here. But like the effects on the other candidates are like actual, real problems that yeah. are like are very easy to you know like attack Jeb yeah. Bush for being low energy, and he seems that way.
0: Let me, um, let's get to some of these icebreakers then. Okay. So the way it works is uh, give me a number between got a lot this week. Give me a number between one and 17. Oh
2: Wow. Uh, 14.
0: You said 14? Yeah, sure. Uh, well, it, <clears throat> do you like whales?
2: What?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, I mean, you've certainly been at a party before and been asked by someone at a loss <laughs> for things to talk about. No, I mean we I mean, really. we could talk uh, killer whales. We could talk... Uh, what kind? Orcans. Ortho? Orchid. Orchid. <laughs> there were a lot of whales in, in Star Trek IV. I don't know if you're a fan of that one.
2: I don't know. I'm not really... You ever go to Whale Watch? No. You ever eat whale? That sounds terrible.
0: <laughs> did you grow Where did you grow up?
2: Uh, the D.C. area.
0: Were you... Uh, uh, okay, right outside.
2: Yeah, Northern Virginia. You had access
0: to the ocean. You might have, you know... <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: sort of, yeah. Uh, well, we have Peter down for neutral on whales. Yeah. Uh, you can pick another number. Well, this one might right. be a better sure. question. Uh, seven. <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, you've hit the. Uh, this is the. Um, you hit the lightning round. So we actually seven is um, a seven part question.
2: Oh wow.
0: Uh, and and it, it's uh, you have to tell me if the following things are over or underrated. Okay. This is a new wrinkle that our, our producer Adam suggested. So. Uh, over or underrated, uh, uh, Catherine Miller? What do you tell me is Aaron Sorkin? Over or underrated? Overrated. I, I, I completely agree with you. Uh, sushi.
2: Underrated.
0: Overrated. Oh. I got I got I got are food poisoning right, from answers? it once. <laughs> it was some of them. Game of Thrones.
2: Uh, Overrated. I don't watch it,
0: so... I say it's overrated, too, and I've never seen an episode. And I'm proud of that. You
2: saw that! You
1: saw the... red. Oh, I know! I I
0: saw the one episode that made it pointless to watch every other episode. They all got murdered. And I was... I wasn't a fan of that. Uh, Over or underrated cats?
2: Overrated, I guess. Why is that? I, don't I mean, every like cats are like having a mo. Like it seems like cats have outpaced dogs. Dogs are pretty great.
0: Oh but, no no! This is the cats? Broadway musical. Oh, cats.
2: oh. <laughs> overrated. <laughs> okay.
0: um, uh, overrated or underrated? Ooh, lying to protect someone's feelings.
2: Oh, uh. <laughs> wait, I gotta think about the actual. I guess. I finally overrated? got it. Overrated. <laughs>
0: I think it is too. I'm, I'm honesty pro honestly. Generally, yeah. There's only really two more in this category uh, overrated, or underrated. <laughs> the Donald Trump Make America Great Again hat. Underrated. I agree. Yeah. Do you have one? Yeah,
2: we do. We got them very early. We which, were which, early which adopters. Have? I have a black one, but that's just because I was willing to. Andrew Kaczynski has a white one with gold letters. He has like a the best one. Yeah.
0: I have white with blue. Yeah. It was, we, so we, I think, at, was it you, Adam, who went, Adam uh, went to go get more, we're, we're close to the, yeah. the Trump Tower, and now when you go there, apparently, you can't just give him 20 bucks and get a hat, it now counts as a donation, oh. so you have to, sorry, you have to yeah. fill out like a, a whole donation card, mm-hmm. so Adam had, you know, he's like, I don't want to lose my job over the Trump hat, so, so then he came back and we, we fired him for failing to get, no, it was, it was fine, and the last one in the category, over, underrated, uh, kids,
2: Underrated?
0: (laughs) Yeah, we'll go with that. Let's check in with Jeff.
1: Yeah, so there were a couple of good questions early on in the session that I didn't pass on yet. One was, uh, a year from now, what are three headlines that you think might be in the news? thought that was good. Another one was Mark Cuban today was making noise that he might want to run for president in 2016, which seems implausible In 2016? Yeah, which seems implausible for 2016, but perhaps inspired by Trump. Um, he's, uh apparently floated that idea. Did you, so did
0: you say as a Republican, Democrat, independent? I don't it, think so.
1: I saw some noise about it on Twitter. I didn't really pay attention to it because I'm not that interested in Mark Cuban. but he is a um, shark tank. Then I, I have another question that was inspired by some of your viewers who are big Dancing with the Stars fans and are talking about uh, wanting to watch Dancing with the Stars perhaps. You were quite a dancer. Would you ever consider going on Dancing uh, with the Stars?
0: Would I consider going on with Dancing with the Stars? Well, I—that's I, uh, another thing I did this weekend. I—I—I uh, uh, I, uh, I, I danced this weekend for the first time in about eight years. Well, I wouldn't necessarily call it dancing, but I had a few a few drinks in me, and I did—I did—I uh, did dance a little bit. Um, no, I wouldn't go on the show. I wouldn't want to upstage all of the all of the people on there. Um, <laughs> So That's an interesting question. The first one I really like, though, Catherine. Let me let me ask you this. Uh, so, it's, it, let's fast forward. Uh, it's it's September 2016. We're in the home stretch of the presidential yeah. race, race. We're past Labor Day now. So the uh, the Trump Sanders campaign is in full swing. Yeah. Uh, who? Uh, what are the three headlines?
2: I mean, here's like, Ross Douthat had a column about a month ago that was like, the election. You know, I knew Hillary would have some issues, and there'd be some like things in the Republican primary but like could I have predicted that the issues would be about email and that we'd be dealing with Donald Trump no so like it's (laughs) I don't know I mean I still think I guess I mean I guess I still think Jeb Bush will probably be the nominee maybe it's hard to say I mean if there's anything I mean you can't sorry you can't predict what's going to be going on in a year. Oh, I can. Oh, you can't? Oh, can what's
0: going will. on? Yeah. I'll give you three headlines. All right. <laughs> what day, what is today? September uh, uh, 14th. 14th. So, so it's September 14th, 2016. I'll give you one headline uh, Brady, Belichick deny latest cheating allegations. Guaranteed. Yes, yeah. That'll be a headline. Sure. Uh, a year from today. Another headline you'll have uh, a year from today. Well, that, I think it'll be, I, I do think, I'll make a prediction. I think the Republican candidate will be uh, uh, Marco Rubio I still think it'll be Rubio it'll come around to him I think his running mate will be Kasich I think he'll be running against Hillary and who will Hillary pick as the VP that I haven't figured yeah. out yet but give me a few weeks I'll get, you Hillary's, <laughs> right. I'll get Hillary's VP and um, and the other headline we'll be talking well, about in September that's not a
2: headline though
0: True, that would actually. The headline <laughs>
1: would be. Your like well, headline. you're the headline writer. You can yeah. put it. I'm giving you the raw it's material. Spot. You put yeah. it into the headline like for me. I'm
0: like one of your English major writers. You yeah. have to. You have to. Uh, and and the third headline would would involve uh, outrageous conduct at the uh, VMAs.
1: Oh well, that's.
0: You know, somebody will. get uh, You know, insult yes. somebody or dance suggestively or you know.
1: EU and existential crisis, is the EU going to still be around? That's my prediction for headline for one year from now. The what? Well, the, oh, the right, EU, yeah, sure, right, the I American guess, Union yes, Union. no,
0: right, it's a, that's a, <laughs> I, is it, I have no idea, is that good or bad?
2: If it goes away? Do you want, what you, yeah, I, I, I don't have strong feelings about it one way or the other. Well, people. Britain, that's the other thing, a lot but of it might the, leave, Yeah. a lot of people
0: are excited, uh, or at least interested in what happened, uh, Somebody it could be a precursor to something happening here. The Britain Labour Party just uh, made its leader this the very far left guy and but like, could that be Bernie Sanders I couldn't be, right? No. no,
2: well A that but also like B this is not like to me Obviously Bernie Sanders is very out of the general economic mainstream. But like also hasn't like referred to Hamas as like friends. Like and like there's like a lot like Jeremy Corbyn seems like very far left and also, like, a very deeply weird, unprepared person to be. Not that necessarily that Bernie Sanders is exactly what I think of when I think of a president, but, like, Corbyn seems, like, very out there.
0: Well, I think that's the... I was looking at him, and I, and I am by far not an expert on, on British politics. No. Most of what I learned about British politics I got from the movie King Ralph. However, uh, I was reading up on, on uh, Corbyn. Not sure. Corbyn, right? Okay, Corbyn. Uh, the difference that I saw between him and Sanders—that I it was—it was interesting. I, you, you suggested it a little bit there. I realized Corbin is—is a—he's to the left on on everything, and he will give you yes. a foreign policy critique, an economic critique. I realized I never hear Bernie Sanders talk about foreign policy. Right. I was trying to think, like, do I, do I, you know? and no, I, I, he... I know he was against the Iraq War. and I know he's talked about that a little, but otherwise, I don't really. It, it really is. It really is a laser focused economic critique and not, and yes. not a poor policy. No, I
2: mean and that's I mean that's one of the big I'm certainly no like expert on progressive politics like in the progressive coalition, but that I mean I think that's probably the source one of the sources of like the tension over the summer with like Black Lives Matter and with other like parts of where you're looking at like environmentalists and like Black Lives Matter activists and immigration activists and like that not quite fitting, like there's a very clear strain. Within the progressive movement, that's like a Bernie Sanders economic focused thing that is different. And that's like what he talks about, basically. That it's like basically political revolution around an economic issue. And it's not many things, many other things.
0: By the way, unrelated, what do you think of the music? I, I always, uh, I, one of the reasons we picked this bar. We have, uh, this is from the. I like it. Do you remember what movie this song is from? If anybody can hear this, maybe they. Uh... Famously, uh, 1985
2: movie. Oh, isn't it in um, Back to the Future? Yes. Yeah.
0: It was at the school dance. They had uh, Earth Angel. He's disappearing. Usually, so somebody said, "I, I, where did I see this recently?" I've never thought. I've, I've seen Back to the Future 25 times, and I never thought of this this particular issue. Imagine this actually happens, right? The the father and mother, <clears throat> the mother has a crush on uh, <laughs> this guy Calvin in high school, yeah. right? Is that right? And then. Uh, their son ends up looking exactly like this guy. Don't you think the father would have ever figured that out? No. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't he? Re- <laughs> don't, you, don't you know what I mean? Like if you if you if you met oh. your wife in high school and, and oh, she had been dating oh, a guy beforehand, yeah, yeah. Oh, and then the kid yeah, yeah, is yeah. wouldn't I wouldn't he, you say that looks just like the guy? And it then wouldn't your next thought like be? And then yeah. wouldn't your thought be? Are you yeah. still seeing that guy? Like, because the
1: son that you had looks just like, like him. that oh, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That bothers me. But they oh, named, I see what you they named mean, yeah. him. They right. named yeah. him after the guy. That saved, right? Because you're right. Yeah. I hadn't yeah. even.
0: Oh, that's bizarre. There was some weird stuff happening in that family. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta. Well,
1: they're very <laughs> emotionally adjusted at
2: the end of that. I got tell so. you.
0: Yeah, that was. Um, well, let's let's try a couple more icebreakers, guys. I don't want to put these to waste. Give me a couple. Give me another number here, and let's uh, we'll try to get you a normal one. Three. Well, I'm sorry. You keep, just pick you, a
2: normal one. You about? keep getting you the weird just, ones. I don't have to pick the number. You
0: can just If pick the uh, if the government imposes a forced relocation policy, but you are allowed to pick one state that you absolutely won't live in, what state would that be?
2: Oh. Uh I mean I don't really like the Midwest very much. So, <laughs> probably.
0: But which one? Give us one Midwest state oh. that you particularly wouldn't want to end up in.
2: Uh I don't know. My my parents lived in St. Louis. They really hated it. So I guess Missouri. There's
0: no, Missouri no Missouri for you. Missouri. Interesting. I was,
2: I was technically born there, but
0: In St. Louis. Yeah. And then you so you said you're from the DC are you from the Maryland side or from the Virginia side? Uh, Virginia ship? side. The Virginia side, okay. If I had to pick one state that I absolutely yeah, which, yeah. would not live in, uh, in Maine.
2: Because it's cold in the winter. That's actually a good. No, because oh, wow. my,
0: my parents moved there, and there's a lot of there's a lot of <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of you now, is it? I was always against the move, and I've I've, uh, uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that. Um, I want to ask you a little more about your your um your career though. Um, okay. Vanderbilt. You went to Vanderbilt. I did
2: go to Vanderbilt.
0: Do you know which MSNBC personality also went to Vanderbilt? Uh,
2: Willie Geist. That's right. Yeah.
0: Um, the two things I know about Vanderbilt. Number one, I love the the nickname, the Commodores. That's is a great. I love college nicknames. And that's a great one. Were you a sports fan at Vanderbilt? Yeah. The basketball court at Vanderbilt oh, is different than the, every yeah. basketball mm-hmm. court in the world because the benches the benches are underneath. Do the you want to know
2: the sad reason it is built that way?
0: Was well, is, is it because it's an architecture school and they want to be different? No.
2: In the fifties, they built the they built a Memorial Gym, which is what it is, and they built it. Basically, it's like a big X. Um, and that's why it's like a very strange. It's in addition to having the, the court is raised and like the players sit on the right. on the narrow end of the, the court. Um, it's a very strange setup, and the reason is they built it to be multi-purpose in case they got rid of the basketball team, so they could turn it into something else.
0: But the basketball team is uh, is pretty good these days. The right? last it's...
2: few years, it hasn't been good, oh, but okay. it was very good like for about a five-year. Period. That's number remember, yeah. It's
0: all yes. it, it's it's all a blur to me. Um, if you were not doing, um, so you're an English major. If you're not doing political journalism, what what would you be doing? Do you think?
2: I don't know. Actually, I really don't. I mean, I have basically been doing this. I enjoy this. I will keep doing this. I like it.
0: Do you like the difference between editing and writing? Because a lot of like, I, I had the experience. Like, I started out doing political writing, and then it was it became a thing where like the next logical thing to do in my career was to become an editor. And there was a pay jump when he became become an editor. There was a prestige jump. And I remember taking the job and thinking to myself, it was like, I was a better, I, as an editor, I made a good writer. I was a better writer than I was an editor. And I felt like I got promoted for the sake of promoting me, but I, I wasn't, I should have still been a writer. I don't, you know.
2: Well, I, from my perspective, uh, I... I'm not a reporter. I've never really been a reporter. And I, I really do feel like most good, like, the best work is reporting. Like, is reported. and it, it is reported. When you say work. you're, under,
0: you're under report. like, you, do you feel you don't have the temper? Like, the, 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 the... I
2: hate calling people up. Yep. I don't like it. Yep. Like, it makes me nervous. Like, it's a whole... Have you tried thing. to do that before? Yeah, have I have. I just hate it. Yeah, and, really. Um, and I like, I first of all, I like editing. It's like a constant... Like, I like... I, there's a responsibility element to it that I like. Um... But I like working with people. I like building out stories. I like working with reporters cuz I think it's really difficult and interesting the way they work. And I like building out stories and I like having a lot of different stuff going on at the same time and it's and I enjoy I actually enjoy story editing too in terms of like what is a narrative structure? What is like, you know, how are you phrasing things? How are you doing things? Like I I enjoy the process of like actual editing and then the managing component is like another aspect. It's, you know, each, each person is different. It's fun
0: to work with people. Well, it's funny. Like, I, I, I'm the worst of both worlds on. because, like, I, I I, am also really awkward at the, the cold calling thing and the, like, working sources thing. So I, I'm not a great reporter either, um, but I'm not a great editor either. So I like writing without reporting. And, and that kind of, you know... It,
2: well, I do some of that, yeah. Well, <laughs> what I tell myself, like, my,
0: my justification for it and the way I, I, I say, like, I'm still contributing something, you know, valuable or, I don't know, not horrible is, like, is research. I think I'm good at research.
2: Well, that's like a you whole know. different. That's like another component. I mean, there are people who take a very research-driven approach to writing. Well, yeah, like you guys. Actually, well,
0: you have uh, Andrew. Kusinski. Yeah, it's we have all, like a whole. Right.
2: Yeah, I mean, and Andrew does call people. He does like you know does interviews and stuff. But but Andrew and the people he works with have a very research-oriented stuff and re- approach, and they produce a ton of stuff that nobody's ever seen or they've forgotten about. And he knows more about. He actually knows more about the policy positions of a lot of the candidates than many other reporters, just by sheer, like, research yeah. component alone, just from a, a sheer research approach alone.
0: I, I can remember I, I had like when I was at I was at roll call for a year, and I mean it was like that was the most just pure reporting job I've ever had, and, and I was at I was part of a. You know, roll call, especially at the time, was a big institution on Capitol Hill. So the, it was so important for the reporters to maintain the institutional relationships. You're covering the office of the minority leader, the office of the minority, yeah. whip, and you have to like. And I was, I, I, you know, I, the whole idea of like keeping them happy with like giving them a story that you know, just a puff piece story about like some staffing and move the they heads had, up like about
2: the bad story. Yeah, and, and they would get yeah. so mad.
0: Like if, if at the time there was no Politico, it was roll call versus the Hill and I had my counterpart on the Hill, and if she got word before me that, you know, muffins had been served this week's Democratic caucus meeting, but there was no coffee, and she got that instead of me, they were like, why didn't you have that story? And I was like, but I can tell you who the past 62 minority leaders were, you know, like, and they're like, we don't give (laughs) a shit, we want to know about the muffins.
2: Well, I mean, that's that's also, like, a D.C.-specific kind of thing. I mean, that's within any industry, but it's also, like, in terms of politics, that's definitely a D.C.-specific thing, although you're constantly... With a presidential campaign, you're constantly dealing with the responses and emotions of, you know, any given campaign in terms of how they feel about a story and whether you should have told them and, you
0: know, all that kind of Yeah, do you get a lot of flack as an editor from the campaigns saying you screwed us on this or you're going easy on them on that or you're biased on this? Do you get a lot of that, like working the refs?
2: Not so far this time. We got some of it last year in the heights of midterms, but like the thing is is like not many, A, not many of the camp, the campaigns primarily interact with the reporters. so they're usually taking that to the reporters. And then if it comes to me, I mean basically the conversation is like, well, is something factually inaccurate? No, okay, well, then I agree with the report. I mean. Standing by the reporter. That's and you just have that conversation over and over again. Who did well. you when have? Somebody it, gives
0: you said it happened a little bit last year. Was there one like? Was there one particular moment that was kind of? You got any there good was, stories here? You don't want to do it? Oh, okay. Maybe All right. In years. I'll try to come up with one of my own stories to tell. Let's check in with the. Uh with Jeff here for the I
1: audience. mean, there was feedback on the worst state question. Well, uh, what were they saying? Well, uh, Car- Karen says, I, I think she's from Missouri. She likes Missouri. She says Kansas is the bad state. And if you don't like Missouri, you've never been to Kansas. Yeah, but, but Kansas was the free state. Uh, it was the free. That's a, that's a good point. That uh, out. Historically, it's also home to Kansas State and Coach Bill Snyder Family Stadium, which is in a, a family-friendly halftime show. If anybody knows, right? That story. Yeah, they uh, probably don't. But very I special to you, uh, Jeff Jones knows that Oklahoma is a terrible state, um, and that's the worst state. Uh, so those are some views on the worst state. Randy was asking for a favorite book.
0: This is a good one. Favorite favorite book. So, fiction. You're going to give me a fiction oh. probably, right? Yeah, sure. Uh, we don't have. I mean, if you if you want to go nonfiction, we'll. we'll... No, I don't. No,
2: no, I'm not into that. Um, uh, I really like Herzog by Saul Bellow. That's like one of my all-time favorite books.
0: I believe I bought that book at one point, and I'm trying to. <laughs> you should
2: read it. It's really good. I probably it's
0: one of those that I got about eight pages in, and then it was a very you small to, print. There, I
2: mean, much like anything. Like, I mean, this is you have to kind of like get through the first bit.
0: Yeah. But it really is oh, rewarding, tough. I promise. It is, yeah. it's, t- it's like waiting into the not, ocean, So right? like
2: one of the things that happens, like, when you read like serious literature or whatever in high school is like all of it's very bleak and depressing. And it would make you never want to read another book ever again. Um Herzog is one of those books that's not actually that bleak and like it has like without giving anything away it's like sort of a like a slightly less it's like a more of, like a bittersweet ending or like you know that kind of thing.
0: If, if you want to go a little, here's here's my goal.
2: Age of Innocence is like that too.
0: Eight, okay, tell me who, who wrote that.
2: Edith Wharton. How
0: estimated? How many number? How many pages are we talking here?
2: It's probably like three hundred maybe three fifty, something like that.
0: Okay, because here's what I'm trying to do. I'm looking for a work of fiction that is like. A little less ambitious than what you're describing, sure. but okay. that people, but that will enrich me. Okay. And that most importantly, when people see me on the subway reading it, they we'll will be, be impressed. Like, oh,
2: hey, yeah. <laughs> um, what's, what's kind of thinner? Uh, why, well, like, there's some funny books that are like, like, Lucky Jim by Kingsley Amos is like a very funny book. Lucky that's like Jim. like not too long. It's okay. Like, and it's very delightful. Read.
0: This sounds promising. Yeah. It's do you, a, do you know what I read one? I'm sure you've read this. Um. A Confederacy of Dunces? Yes,
2: it's great. Isn't it? It's, it's really, really great. I, I love great. that book. It's a great, great book.
0: I, they were supposed to make that a movie. It,
2: it would be very difficult, I think.
0: Well, so it was supposed to be um, uh, uh, Ignatius... Ry- yeah, it Ignatius Rasmus and Will Ryman. Ferrell. Will yeah. Ferrell, right. Yeah. I, said, I read the book, and the guy I saw in my mind the entire time was Jack Black.
2: Right? Yeah, it's more of, yes, that, that is a, or, more accurate. You
0: know, I think uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman could have played that yeah. role really well, too. Yes. But that's one that, like, I, just, I don't even know why I read it, and I was like, if more books were written like this, I would uh, uh, I would read more.
1: Well, good. <laughs> that's, bad, or bad, something. Have you read um, all, all the King's Men, the Robert Pet Warren? Yes. Okay. That's that, that was that forced was
0: reading in high that... school, and I did actually read it. Yeah. What did what'd you think of it? No, I oh that's a great book. Yes, I've okay. I've read a couple political books. Um, I read one recently, uh, Philip Roth, The Plot Against America.
1: I haven't
2: read it, but I've heard it's good.
0: Wow, it was well, so. What, what happened was like. I was like, I, I wish I was this ambitious when I was in, in, in school or so I could have written papers or something, but like, I read a nonfiction a, a, a account of the 1940 presidential election. So it was at FDR and Wendell yeah, yeah. Wilkie, and, and it was just fascinating, like, um, I hadn't read as, that much about that that time, you know, it's a time, it, like World War II, the Depression, not much has been written about it, so I hadn't, I hadn't, no, yes. I'm, I'm kidding, a lot's been written about it. But, um,
2: <laughs> Sorry. I just agreed with that. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: Yeah. so if you say it with a straight face, yeah. people will agree with anything. Yeah. Um, so I read this book, and then I was like, "It got me." You know, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, I'm blanking. The, the aviator Charles Lindbergh is. Yeah, he, yeah. he looms large in it because he's an isolationist. And I and then I I read them. there's this book out there about like what if he actually ran and won. So I I, I read the Philip Roth book, and it was just it was gripping. It yeah. was. Uh, I mean, that was it. I I really enjoyed reading that. Yeah. You know?
2: Well, he's good. That's that's why they that's why they say that. <laughs> okay. so he's. Um.
0: he's He's known to be a good Goodbye author.
2: Columbus by Philip Roth. It's a, it's a short book. That's very good.
0: I, get, I read uh, I read one other <laughs> Philip Roth book called I Married a Communist. Oh,
2: that sounds like Philip Roth. It
0: was, yeah. it was, there was an Abraham Lincoln impersonator in it. I just, I, I remember something about that. Well, this is good. I've read.
2: Yeah, now you've got some book recommendations. But we've got yeah, three yeah. books in
1: common. I feel yeah. like I, wait, wait, King's name is, it's Big Jim?
2: Lucky, Lucky Jim. Jim.
1: Lucky, Lucky Jim. Jim. Okay. So there's a good question uh, from Ian. Um, for both of you, what are your daily must-read uh, news sources online? What do you always read? This is so. What is uh, allowing for
0: BuzzFeed? What else? Sure. What else is on yeah. the? What else is on the a must-read list? So
2: exclusively, but no. Um, the uh, I usually in the morning. I actually I do read Playbook just because it's like rel- like whatever is in there. A lot of like people's sources read, and that's really like those the, the core reason that I read it because like it is it is like a valued source of information for many people um, I do read uh, I mean the New York the New York Times has like a, a really tremendous set of reporters that is working right now and that has done a ton of work I also think the Washington the Washington Post is doing a great job covering Republicans um, Robert Costa yeah
0: he's I, he's an, we have him on the show I, I always tell people like uh, Especially if I sit in for other shows and they're like, Well, who can we book? Like, guess what? I'm doing like I'm doing a, a pre-debate show this Wednesday, they said who can we book? I said, get if you can get Costa at all, get him. Because I, I think he's like he's a perfect example. We were talking to me at least, we were talking about um, you know, part- the partisan media, ideological media, all that. Now he came through the National Review, so he came up through the right. But he's a he's a reporter. See, he was he was reporting for a conservative audience, but he was reporting. That was the key, and he developed all these fantastic sources, and he's only expanded on them. And I think he's just he has been the last couple of years because there's been the, the whether it's the shutdown or the Republican Party, the inner workings of the Republican Party have been so critical to the the national political story the last few years. He has been he's been a must read for me, absolutely.
2: He's also a very nice guy.
0: Seems though he always does our that. show. Yeah, I can't. Um, you know
2: the uh, they had a good team of people actually at the national at, at national review then um andrew styles who is so funny who writes for the free beacon um and betsy woodruff who's at the daily beast oh, yeah, yeah. she does and she's actually doing a lot of great reporting right now too I, I uh for them and i you know there's like there's a series i mean there's a series of good people i mean they, but like i you know the Times a post, what's coming through Twitter is basically my actual political consumption for the most part.
0: I'll throw one more in. I uh, it's the home team, but NBC's uh, first read uh, in the morning. I, I think it's that good, one's a, I think that's a really helpful one. National Journal has one too. Uh, Adam Woolner, I think his name is, uh, has another tip sheet in the morning. That's a National really good Journal one.
2: National Journal has done a lot of good. Uh, has had some very good profiles last you know year and a half. Yeah. I really like too. They've,
0: and then it, it, it still comes back to I swear it's like Twitter to me is like I, I don't know what I did before Twitter, it's um it, it, it's it, it's like a wire service to me. I mean I, if I go away for an hour and I just scroll through what I missed, I, I actually, feel like
2: everybody makes fun of that while you're away feature, but I actually find it very it's useful. So like yep. I, I we we don't publish a lot in the mornings; we publish so like late at night, and I work. That's like how I'm wired anyway. I tend to work late at night, so but I'll set an alarm for seven thirty to make sure that like. I don't always get up at 7:30, but like I like awake for a little bit at 7:30, so I can be like, has anything big happened that I need to be aware of? And that while you're away feature is very useful for that because it just basically pulls in whatever got retweeted the most in the last
0: hour. I, no, I've noticed yeah. that. The, the weird thing is I get these push alerts on my phone now. It's like if three people you follow are all like mentioning the same name or something, it'll yes. it'll be like so and so, so and so, and so, and so are, are tweeting about weedables or or yeah. so, and I'm like oh, yeah. that that part doesn't doesn't matter. Um, we only have a few minutes left but let me uh, we'll do one more icebreaker it's a little late to break the ice
1: but yeah, let's, well.
0: let's try, uh, give me one more number here
2: oh I'm sorry uh, uh, 6 uh,
0: 1, two, three, four. oh something uh, tell us please uh, something that is taboo that shouldn't be taboo oh I'm not sure what made me think of this <laughs> <Yeah, I know. laughs> This is right after I wrote the whales question, by the yeah. way. <laughs> um,
2: I don't know. Do you have an answer for this? No, oh, yeah. you know what I think made me Let's think of it? I was
0: reading, I, what I do is I, I, I keep the notepad next to me and I read the paper and I think there was a big article about the, this controversy they've been having here in Times Square about women walking around without their shirts on. So it's, it's considered traditionally a taboo to do that, but it is, should that any longer be considered? A, I'm not asking you to weigh in on that, but I think that's what triggered the question. Yeah, and sure. I wondered, is there something else? I mean... Is there a swear word that we should allow? Is there a, uh, you know... Uh, you know? Maybe everything that is taboo should be taboo. Know. That's an I acceptable mean, Like my, things
2: or my complaints tend can't to be point. more... Yeah, I mean, my complaints tend to be more like... Uh, somebody was... Michael Moynihan was tweeting the other night about... I can't remember exactly what he was pulling from, but he was like... Looking through a, a classic like thing on writing from many years ago, and was like, this person did not anticipate the uh, the like egotism, the narcissism of of you know hot take journalism, and it was basically like four paragraphs about convincing the writer to to be comfortable using the first person. <laughs> For instance, like I would be fine. Like the I could feel like we could like if the old taboo was like using the first person, I feel like we could rein that one in. A yeah, we yeah.
0: could go back to that. Okay, if we want to go grammar. I would ease the uh, I would ease the uh, 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 prohibition against the split infinitive. Oh, Although sure. I think that's already happened. I, you know, yeah. I don't know. That's that's. I thought this <laughs> would a land great, in a means. more. <laughs> I'm
2: sorry. I've, this whole podcast. I've no, been kidding. telling you about like books and grammar. <laughs>
0: I got a, I got no King Jim or Lucky
2: Jim. Lucky Jim, Lucky by, Jim. by Kingsley Amos. Kingsley
0: Amos. Yes, he's a great Southern writer.
1: English, right. English, English. Southern England.
0: British. Okay. British. Uh, Jeff, before we uh, d- tune out,
1: any, any last minute uh, r- stuff? Uh, you know, no. They've been active, but really uh, nothing, to, nothing to throw out They're to throw They great you. tonight. We had a lot of great
0: stuff there. Rose to the occasion. That's what we were That's what we were looking for. Um, let me let me end on the question. I, I, I ask a lot of... Uh, uh, I try to end every one with, but I usually forget. Uh, all right. You, you love editing right now, and this is what you want to be. Uh... Ten years from now, what do you want to be doing?
2: Oh God! I used to. Somebody I know used to do this as an interview question, and actually is very instructive. And like I use it sometimes to ask people because it, even though I don't have an answer for it myself, because it's very instructive. Like if somebody tells you they, you know, like whose career do you want? That's what they would ask. Like whose career? and oh, good Whose
0: career, Which do career do you want? Oh, I don't. <laughs> Correct <laughs> answer, Steve Kurnak. No, <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> like,
2: yeah. well, back in, in uh, when I in like high school, I wanted to be. I'm not saying it's right or good. I'm just saying this is true. Yeah. I wanted like a Bill Simmons esque type. That's all I wanted.
0: <laughs> okay, this, Bill Simmons was a thing when you were in high school? Yeah. Oh, God, I'm old. <laughs> I, was, I had graduated college and he was writing for uh, Digital City Boston. <laughs>
1: well, <laughs> but okay, you want to be. No, you yeah, want to be. That's what
2: I wanted. So. Oh, that's a great yeah, interview. No, no, so I, 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 like, totally. I don't really. I don't. Uh, nah, I don't know. Not I anymore. Don't, I don't know what I want. I'm fine. I have to, my whole life is basically like built around getting to like November 2016.
0: Man, December 2016 is going to be quite a letdown for you. <laughs> no,
2: it's going to be great. I'll you be know, up yeah. on the beach.
0: So oh, that, okay, because yeah. I was going to say, we. I, I'm thinking back, we had this guy on the show a few months ago. It was, uh, it would have been March 14th. It was yeah. Pi Day. Oh, so, you yeah. know, the, the, Math. I don't know what is it. It's how you calculate the length of a circle or something. It's like, is three point one four, and then you, the number goes on indefinitely, yeah, yeah. right? So this guy, uh, it turns out, what was it that like this particular March fourteenth? Three point one four one five. So March fourteenth. Okay, three point one four one five. So it was March okay, fourteenth, so the year twenty fifteen, and then you could like, su- there was a certain second of the day. This March fourteenth, yeah. like. Thousands of digits matched, that whatever it was, so it was a big deal for the Pi community, which apparently exists. It exists so yeah. with this guy who has devoted twenty years of his life to the the, the popularization of Pi comes on our show, and this is the biggest thing. He's about forty-five years old, and this is the biggest thing that's ever happened to him. Right, this this day is finally coming. So we're like, we're doing a countdown during the show to the exact. M- I st- I don't even remember what it was, but it was a it was eight thirty in the morning or something. We're doing the countdown, and the guy's literally jumping up and down on the set. He's so excited. And then it ends, and I, I said, "Now, what do you do with the rest of your life?" And I felt I, I should not have asked the question because no, he didn't have yeah. an answer. No, <laughs> it's,
2: it's always a. It's never going to get it. better.
0: <laughs> He's like the Italian who won the tennis match. He has to retire on the spot. It's just. Well,
2: but that lady was like those ladies were like feeling great about everything.
0: <laughs> well, you had to play. Yeah, there's no Serena, and you know. Yeah. Did she really? Do you really? Did she really? Did she is that come with an asterisk? If you win the U.S. Open, but you didn't have to play Serena. Probably. I think I don't, I'm not as impressed to come to think of it
2: yeah I mean the woman who lost beat Serena, and that's kind of like winning right
0: and yeah. then, then to her that was like winning the US Open so she's not going to necessarily try as hard in the right. final and then mm-hmm. alright I think we've we've covered yeah. uncovered a fraud <laughs> right there the full, yeah. we finally got to the bottom of that um, this was really fun yeah, thank yeah. you so much for doing this
2: yeah well you're welcome this was
0: fun um, Catherine Miller BuzzFeed political editor uh, and thank you to our loyal Meerkat audience really this was great stuff from you guys tonight we asked you at the beginning let's diversify a little bit we did uh, thank you, everybody, listening on the podcast. Thank you to Merrick, Merrick Nelson, who videotaped this thing and is getting uh, some kind of carpal tunnel syndrome for it. Adam Naboa, who's our producer, and Jeff Eldridge, who you know is our moderator. Thank you to all of them. Thank you to everybody for watching. We will tell you our next guest when we find one, uh, but we should be back here next week, so we'll see you then.